Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan. I'm joined by Pat once again to recap Washington's week one win over the Jacksonville Jaguars by a final score of 28 to 22. Uh, it was a game that, as my dad and I like to joke, we won despite our best efforts to do the contrary or to execute the contrary. Uh, but it seems to be pretty on brand for this football team, um, regardless of whatever their name is. And no, I'm not calling them by the new name, although Durs is a nice, nice nickname that Pat um, Go Durs. just alluded to. Um, but anyway, we're going to kind of go through our usual recap process, although I'm test driving a bit of a newish format. Well, it's kind of the same, but it's kind of new, however you choose to look at it. Uh, but at the risk of me just yammering on and on as usual, I'll stop talking and open up the floor to you, Pat. For your post-game thoughts, given that we're both pretty amped up after this win, uh, after this roller coaster win of sorts. Yeah, I'm fired up. Uh, you wait so long for week one, right? I mean, months after months, we've we've been talking about week one since the the draft. Essentially, for me, the Nationals are so bad. Like I've been looking forward to this for so long now. I think it's just for and, you. I think just in general, the Nationals are so so. <laughs> uh, I uh, the, regardless. I'm pumped. Uh, you know, when the schedule came out, and we got the Jaguars week one. We even looked, we both picked them to win this game when we went through the schedule. But you know, it's, Terry said the other day, week one can always humble you in the NFL. And uh, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that the Jaguars helped us win. Uh, but I also think we won. We went and won that game uh, at the same time, which I'm very excited about. And, and I'm going to go a little longer in my opening than normal. Do it. Um, I we've done over a hundred of these podcasts. I don't know the number, but I know we're well over a hundred now. I believe it's one twenty six. Um, this will make one twenty six. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. And in about a hundred and thirteen of those podcasts, I have jumped on tables, pounded on tables to say we need to go figure out wide receivers. You have uh, the NFL is built around the passing game. You go look at the teams that were good for Gruden. We had Djax, Pierre, Reed, uh, Jameson Crowder. Like those teams were built to throw the ball. Since then, we've had Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn. No offense to Cam Sims. I still love him, but like he's not an elite receiver. And look what happened today. The receivers got off, got us off to a hot start. Seeing a healthy Curtis Samuels was just like, I wanted to cry. I was so happy. Then Dotson comes in, gets his tutty on his first NFL. I think it was his first NFL catch uh, in the back of the end zone. And then, obviously, we kind of hit this rut where we stunk for a while. And I tweeted out from our account, new name, same team. Uh, and as it was fading away, guess who stepped up? The wide receivers. Terry, that's the best throw a quarterback has made on our team in years. That 49-yard uh, pass to Terry was an absolute dime. Frozen rope. Uh, frozen rope. Uh, and then, obviously, the catch Dotson made in the end zone, I, I didn't think he caught it. I jumped up. It's the best catch anyone on our team has made uh, in a long, long time. I usually he, watch he the two game in cold silence. I usually, I, I'm, I'm like a morose when I watch the game. Oh, I pace. And when Dotson, when Dotson <laughs> caught that pass, I yelled out at the top of my lungs, "Holy shit!" Yeah, I, I jumped up. I, I mean, my ceiling's kind of low. I could probably put it if I was, if I had too many beers, I could probably put a hole through it. Uh, but when he caught that pass, it was his second touchdown of the day. That is a quarter of the way to Josh Dotson's touchdown career with the Redskins. Uh, so he's already a quarter of the way there to Josh Jackson's numbers. Um, and I don't know. I'm just – I'm so fired up because I think we're finally built the right way. I don't know what that's going to mean in the long term, right? Detroit looks pretty good looming in the background. Uh, but we're built the right way, and we've been burned so often by first-round wide receiver draft picks. You look at Desmond Howard. You look at Michael Westbrook. You look at Flash in the Pan, Rod Gardner. You look at Josh Doxson. Um, we haven't hit – with first round wide receivers, not only do I think we hit with Dotson, like we have Terry, we have Curtis, we have Thomas, we have Gibson out of the backfield, we have McKissick. We are finally built to win in the NFL, in my opinion. And my only hope is the defense can hold together, but like I am amped up. I so excited. Want to know. That's all that matters. That is all that matters. There's a lot of truth to the fact that Jaguars kind of handed us the game. But I'll be in. Taken aback more than anything that Josh Dodson has eight career touchdowns. He's yeah, he had six eight. in one year. I, I looked it up. I looked it up beforehand because I I thought he had less than that too, but he had eight. Wow, uh, like that's he would yeah he, that's should, about, he should have nine if he could if he could catch the ball against the damn Chiefs. That, that's yeah about five more than I would have expected as well. Yeah, I, I did not 
did not come did not did not come to that number. I mean that um, catch that catch Dotson made was nuts. Yes. I mean it's awesome. He's I love that anecdote. I think it was Ben Standick tweeted out after the game that they're like he's so like workmanlike that like the not only did he like not expect to be on the podium after the game, despite having two touchdowns in his rookie game, but he left like he was just a normal dude. And the PR staff had to go chase him down to actually bring him back into the press conference. Cause like, it didn't even enter his mind that he would be like on the podium after the game to talk about as one of the quote unquote stars of the game. And I think that's just a testament to the professionalism that we talked about and everyone else talked about it. And um, yeah, just, just a dude, uh, just awesome. Yeah. Last thing I'll say. Last thing I'm gonna yeah. say about wide receivers. It just popped in my head. Terry McLaurin was dead silent all game, and when we needed someone to make a play desperately, he made it. That is why we paid him all the money. And I think that that's just a point. Like you know, it doesn't. A receiver is like that. Like he could go silent all game, but they're always lurking in the background. And his the bomb was his first catch, if I'm not mistaken. It was his second. He had a nine yard. His two catches. One was on third and eight for nine yards, first down, and the other one was a forty-nine yard. Oh yeah, it was the big catch and run that he had, where he had like he caught it, yeah. he caught it short in the flat, and then he worked his way up to get uh, to the the first down marker. Um, so that just brings us to the main point that I was talking about. That we talked about this a lot, I think, in our preseason preview last year. That they're like, oh well, if everything hits, we've got this incredible diversity, and we just never saw it last year. Just never saw it for one reason or another. Be it Curtis Samuel's groin or. Terry getting you know broken down at the end of the year or whatever you want to call it right um this was starting to scratch that surface right like you you touched on all the salient points Logan Thomas started to come on more and more towards the middle and the end of the game uh you know I mean had, had arguably the biggest catch of the game third and ten got wide open before the touchdown yeah right before the one that was like in the in the right on, on midfield right the one yeah. where yeah. Oh, went scrambled and kind of lofted it over everybody so you had those. We didn't even like uh, Milne. If it wasn't for a bad throw, but like Dax Milne would have had a huge a clutch catch. Obviously, I think the the drive ended up yeah. fine anyway. But Carson, like, Carson but, missed him. Yeah. Right, he just he sailed it way too high. Uh, you know, Cam Sims had one target. But point is, there are dudes who can affect the defense, the opposing defense, in a variety of ways. And the whole like idea that we were we were thinking about, or we're like, I don't know if it's going to happen, but like they kept teasing the idea of like Gibson being this true dual threat guy, like running the ball and also being this you know the threat out of the backfield as a receiver. Like that came to fruition. The Samuel's running the ball thing uh, is interesting. Like I don't know if that's just like a one game thing or if that's actually them kind of borrowing ideas from like the whole Debo Samuel concept over in San Francisco. I think we alluded to that, although maybe it was in the failed podcast. Um. Just yeah, just diversity. The fact that there, there's so many things on the menu that you can order that teams can't kind of just be like, all right, we'll take care of this, or we'll focus on this, or we'll focus on this, or we'll focus on this. I think the only two things that teams can really focus on to make the entire house of cards collapse is you got to put pressure on Wentz because we started to see what happens when you do that. But we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, um, my favorite play of the game actually. This is it didn't really have anything much to do with that with the outcome. I think it just shows the diversity aspect of it, because we haven't even mentioned his name yet. Uh, McKissick, I think he only had maybe two catches. He had the two-point conversion, which, you know, Scott Turner is not good at dialing up two-point conversion, but he got the two-point conversion when it mattered. But McKissick caught a ball underneath and absolutely froze some poor linebacker. I mean, absolutely put him on skates. The guy almost fell down. Um it was a subtle play. I don't think it led to anything, but the fact that like we have that in our back pocket that we just haven't even talked about, like there's going to be a game McKissick blows up. There's going to be a game Logan Thomas blows up. Today was Curtis Samuels' day. Um, and you know, honestly, if you take away Samuels' fumble, we'd probably run away with the football game. That's the fumble that, kind of turn. Oh my god, the, that the kills fumble. Me. The fumble turned the the fumble turned the entire game on its head. Absolutely, one hundred fifty percent. That's the one. I think everyone's going to kind of look at the Wentz's interceptions are going to be a storyline this week. I get it. That's just the nature of DC. You're going to have idiots who are going to promote that on the talk shows and stuff like that and try to you know paint this picture. But I think yes, that that stopped the train from like really getting loose, like run away and, and us kind of putting the game away early. We like, that would have been at least three points. So I think, I don't know. I can't remember if I made this point or not or what part of the section is, but like, or maybe I just wrote in my internal notes turnovers. It's the fact that we won by six points is in and of itself plus two, right? But 
we gave away at we handed at least sure, minus two points in different capacities to Jacksonville as a result of turnovers, right? 10 directly by the two Carson Wentz interceptions, but at least three points from that that Curtis Samuel fumble. I, and I'm, I'm not slamming Samuels because he was great in this game. I mean, he was great in so many different ways, but like that one, that, that killed me. I thought that was as much of a gut punch as anything else. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't fumble. We go into halftime up 17-3 and mm-hmm. we're getting the ball back. Right. And we're getting the ball back. Like, very real chance we could put the game away. Obviously, the fumble happens, and I believe Jacksonville missed a field goal on the backside of it. Um, I think that's when the guy doinked it. Yeah, he was the he hit the upright. I'm looking at it. They uh, went one, but, two, three, four, five, six. They had a ten play drive after Samuel fumbled it. Um, yeah, and it, and it hit the upright. I'm very uh, I'm very critical of. Uh, Gibson's fumbles, so I have to I have to watch what I say here because it's a bit uh, contradicting. But I'm hoping that fumble for Samuels was a good thing. Uh, you know, he hadn't really been hit in a full year, and we're putting him in between the tackles, and the ball came out. But later in the game, when we were salting the game away, I thought we were going to just try to salt the game away, not throw a third down throw to die touchdown. But we we're we we're running the ball down the throat. We gave it back to. Uh, Samuel, but if you go and watch the replay, he has, I mean, no one, we, we don't put out the video here, but he has both hands in that ball, and that ball's not going anywhere. There were multiple carries, multiple. It's funny you say that, where I saw where Gibson was at the point of contact, and you could see that he held onto the ball, like he was holding onto his child in the middle of Niagara Falls, right? Like As he should. Don't it, fucking like, drop it that. It was thing. really funny to see that. I was like, Someone has been thinking about this clearly. Multiple, he he exactly the same motion you did. Where I'm like putting my arms around. I mean, he's he, he held on. He to is the, a stud. Know. He is a stud. He is one of the better players we have. He's one of the better players in like in totality of the NFL. He's he's a very good, solid player. He, he could make the Pro Bowl, like if we're being honest about it. But he fumbles, and mm-hmm. as long as he doesn't do that, he will be a Pro Bowler. And we said this repeatedly. Like he's good enough. In our last podcast and our previous podcast and stuff like that, it's like Gibson is an asset. I know the I know the advanced analytics oh, particularly so were, were not kind to him last year. Whatever. I know that the fact that we only had like, like 10, 10,080 uh, yards on like 240 or 250 carries last year. I get it. Last year was not his best year. Last year was not a good year for the offense in general, right? You lost our starting quarterback in the second quarter of the game of the season and you know lost it for the rest of the year. The point being that Gibson, you know, whether it's talk show fodder, whether it's morning TV show fodder or whatever, but we love to make these big deals out of everything. And particularly the Gibson fumble, like it couldn't, but couldn't have come at any worse timing. The one against um, whoever the Carolina that we played in the opening season, opening game, right? The second, first or second carry or whatever. Right. And I, I, I kept saying like, yes, it's bad. I don't know if it's going to get into his head the way Brian Robinson was playing you know, was the thing and like, it, it just overshadowed everything. But I'm like, it just, it kept feeling like much ado about nothing. I'm like, are we completely discounting what Gibson did for the last two years here? He was 10 touchdowns as a rookie. I still remember him running all over Dallas on Thanksgiving day in 2020. Like, are we just going to discount all of that because of, you know, yeah, he had fumble, fumbleitis last year, but I'm like, it's, it just felt like it was missing the forest from the trees in many cases. I, yeah. I mean, if, as long as he's on the field, I, the, the advanced analytics are means mean are uh, you know put him in a bad light because he's not a great running back. That doesn't mean he's not a good football player. Right. He's a great he's a great football player who you know he's a little bit of a square pig in a round hole in the fact that we're playing him at running back. But like today alone, I mean, he ran for. We've said this since the first time we saw him. He ran hard. He fell forward. Um. He, he had a – like the advantage of having him on the field is he caught like a 20, 25-yard beautiful throw from Wentz that set up our first or second touchdown. Like he's he's a – like to take a word from uh, our boy Scotty McLuhan, he's a football player. He's a football player. And, you know, it, like I – the only thing that scares me is his fumbling. But obviously today he did it. And, and you see like he went for what, 130 yards or whatever he had. Uh, to your point, he had 10 touchdowns as a rookie. He had five or six last year, plus 1,000 yards rushing. Um, it also is a bit of, you know, I'll eat my own words because I, I thought Robinson was kind of coming in to take his roller for a second. Today, to me, proved that preseason still means literally nothing. Like, they, these guys played, what, two and a half quarters together 
And we came out first two series and we look like gangbusters. Uh, preseason's important for back-end guys, for the Forest, who came in, balled his ass off today, Percy Butler, the the Jeremy Reeves of the world. Um, and Amir Hodges, he had a catch today too, I think. we I didn't think we'd keep four tight ends, but thank God we did because he had a nice little catch today too. Amir Hodges first uh, opening drive catch and run was nice. Yeah. Um, point being is like, our offense to me is finally built to win in the NFL. Last year we had the four game winning streak and everyone was like, just keep giving it to Gibson. He'll carry us. He'll carry us. He'll carry us. That does not work in NFL for long periods of time. No, you have to be built to throw the ball. And we are running running back and receiver. It's all better. Running the ball is going the way of the dinosaur. It just is like to your point about McKissick and Gibson and particularly Gibson, right? You're starting to see, and I think I've said this multiple times, you're starting to see that like in the in the NFL, it doesn't matter if you're like a true, like for lack of a better description, Emmett Smith type of running back, unless you're Derrick Henry, who's a certified freak show, right? But like you have to be a dual threat. You have to be a dude who can catch the football. Um I mean, you know, I know James Robinson did a number like but today but that was only after our defense started to get tired. But like the main guy who really was gashing, it was so someone like, like Travis Etienne, who is a good dual threat running back. And I think really that's the direction the, the running back is position is evolving as a whole, right? The Christian McCaffrey archetype, as opposed to the Derrick Henry archetype. And I think, you know, Antonio Gibson is very well suited to that. Yeah. Is he a pure Clinton Portis instinctual runner? No, no, he's not. But to your point, he can do fucking both. So why are we trying to jam the square peg in the round hole? As you said, Today, our dad's NFL, you ran the ball to set up the pass. Yes. Our NFL today is you you throw the ball to set up the run. I would even argue and, that the run is a changeup in today's NFL. Yeah. yeah. And, like, now we got we got freaking Curtis Samuels taking handoffs. For crying out loud. Right. The best, running back, the best running back in the league last year was Debo Samuel. The idea that you could run the ball with five offensive linemen or wide player. receivers at once upon a time was heresy. And now that's the entire way to do it. When you're putting, you're running out of 11 personnel with one tight end, one running back and three receivers. Cause you want to space the field out. Like that's yeah. just the era we live in and 215 pound linebackers are a thing. Yeah. It always helps when you have a quarterback and get him the ball. Even if sometimes that can be a ro- absolute roller coaster of an experience, but yeah. So we'll let's great segue. So Carson Wentz. So that's, that's what I'm here for. That's why I get paid the big bucks for this. Exactly. All the big bucks that we make. Yeah. Carson Wentz. Uh, I don't like, – Wentz hit the three bills, right? On the, In this game, I think uh, last time I – I think it was 313 is what he ended up with. You know, 313, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. First uh, – what was the th- stat? I think First was, since 2015 with Kirk. Uh, first season opening game with four touchdowns since Billy Kilmer. Billy Kilmer. Yeah, yeah. I saw that stat. So <laughs> it's such, such I think, ridiculous. Stat. I think the chuckleheads on the 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 raid the broadcast today, who were particularly terrible as usual. Um Wait, they they were horrific. They were awful. They kept they kept getting names wrong and they they at one point they were like Deron Payne gets sacks Carson Wentz. I was like, What? Yeah. It was Sorry. it was really bad. Uh, they, they had a couple of really bad one-liners, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm trying to pull it up because I, I sent one to my friends, to my group of friends. But anyway, um, Wentz, right? And and there was a couple of times in there, like, in, uh, I remember I, I made the mistake of watching the Fox halftime show. And, like, it's like they, first of all, it's like it's like grumpy old men. That somebody needs to put gram, give grandpa his applesauce and put them to bed because, like, there's no, they have no idea what they're doing. Like, there was a moments where, like, Jimmy Johnson would just be blathering on and Michael Strahan would be laughing at what Jimmy Johnson's saying, like openly, like mocking him, like how bad the stuff coming out of Jimmy Johnson's mouth was. It was really painful to watch. But anyway, it was like this just recycled tired narrative. They're like, oh, Carson Wentz is a head case and this is his last chance and blah, blah, blah. No actual insights into the way he was playing the game. And if you didn't know better, that wasn't the Wentz that we saw by and large, except for maybe the third quarter stretch with a couple of interceptions where, you know, there were some hero ball moments and we'll talk more about that in a second, but like, I don't know for the first half, he was fucking gangbusters, right? Like I was just joking. I mean, I texted you. I love Carson Wentz. Right. I kept joking with my friends. I'm like, I'm going to go put all my, my fantasy football free agency money to go bid on Carson Wentz on the waiver wire this week. Right. Like it was just, it was absolutely pat- like he still might be still might be smart. He's going to throw the ball a lot. He was great. And more importantly, 
he didn't have to be, you know, fucking Kurt Warner and like, you know, greatest show on turf, right? He was orchestrating the offense and that's what we needed. He bought time with his legs. He maneuvered around the pocket. He just made the throws that he was asked and he has the physical ability to do some of the shit that we did. And that's all we really needed. We kept saying over and over, we just need an upgrade from Heineke. We just need an upgrade. We don't need, you know, Tom Brady. I mean, that'd be nice. But like, we I just. Mean, I mean, for the record, we do need Tom Brady. I would Mahomes, take him in a heartbeat. Like, God, did you see what Mahomes did to the? Remember when everyone yeah, thought Mahomes, touchdown, you... was Mahomes is going to take a step back? Remember that narrative? Him, I and, him and him and Herbert are just unbelievable. Both. It was the dumbest narrative to me. Like I know Tyree Kill is fantastic. Tyree Kill is fantastic, but the fact that everyone's like, "Oh, Mahomes is going to take this visible step back," and I'm like, "Did you? Have you paid attention to the way the dude plays? Like, no." He's got Andy Reid. He's not. He's always going to be good. Yeah. Um, the Wentz thing. The Wentz thing is interesting. Uh, Warren's Mar- the Cowboys just got a pick, but it wasn't yeah, hard. So I was that too, yeah. Um, the the Wentz thing is interesting. So, my buddy Chester texted me after the second touchdown. I love Carson Wentz. Bonus, he didn't sleep on his sister's couch for a while because he hates Heineke with just an absolute passion. Uh, um, I texted you. I love Carson Wentz. I mean, those first two drives were like I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, oh, my God, we're a competent, real football team. And Wentz uh, looked great. And one of, one of the all-time great stupid commentary uh, moments was they were like, the commanders brought in Wentz for his decision-making. I was like, what? No, we, literally, we, brought in, we, brought in, we brought him in because he can throw the ball 100 yards. Yes. Uh, we brought him in because he doesn't have Taylor Heineke's arm. Exactly. We, we brought him in because he can throw a 49-yard absolute seed to Terry for a touchdown. Um, but then the offense kind of stalled out. I don't think it was entirely his fault. The, the first half ended on the fumble. He had us moving in that two-minute drill. Um, that wasn't his fault. The two interceptions were his fault, uh, although I do think the first one will be a little bit of a learning situation for Dotson because he doesn't come back to the ball. Uh, now, I don't know why my brain works this way. I can't remember what I had for lunch, but I can tell you in 2020 when we played the Eagles week one, we were struggling. We were down 17 nothing. Wentz threw it. Wentz was late on a out route. And it hit the button. And, and it went to the corner over and, it. And Jimmy, the people's corner, jumped in yeah. and picked it. it was, and it started the it, it started the entire comeback for that game. Yep. Literally the same exact play. He was late on an out route to the opposite field hash, which is like the number one cardinal sin of a – well, maybe the second cardinal sin behind throwing behind across your body to the middle of the field. But, like, if you're making that throw, there's two things that have to happen. One, you can't be late. Two, if you miss, you have to miss wide. You can't miss on the inside. And he was late, and the ball was on the inside. The guy was able to jump it. Um, So that was backbreaking and also was a little deja vu for me. The second pick. Second pick was bang-bang to me. It was just bang-bang. He's got to spike it. I mean, that's one of those things where that play was – he was throwing that ball. His mind was blank. Like there was no decision in his head. He was just—it's a football play. He's just making the throw. And I'm—I mean, I got to tip my cap to that rookie on Jacksonville. That was a sick play. Dude, uh, has, to like, be able to come back and pick that—that's tough. He's got freakishly long arms, Trayvon Walker. Like, like he's a tools guy. Is why he was drafted number one, not a production guy. Like, if you go back and actually look at his college stats, he didn't put up big numbers. It's well, he had a pick and a sack today. So that's everyone on Georgia's defense was freaking fantastic last year. But anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. But yeah, those, pick a sack. those picks, those picks were bad. I also like kind of. I'm looking at you, Scott Turner. Our offense disappeared after halftime. Yes. Now, granted, some of the throws were bad. He Wentz missed on second and two. Wentz missed Curtis Samuel's on just a bad throw, uh, and then missed, and then ball went through Bates's hand. But like Scott Turner got a little too cute. I think he kind of got away from what was making us successful in the first place. Uh, See, but, I I think they didn't. I think the opposite. I think they kind of just kept doing the same thing over and over and hoping it would change. And like, I think that yeah. Jacksonville knowing how bad they were getting outplayed went into halftime and they're like, let's fix shit. And we went into halftime being like, Hey, we're golden. We're good. Let's just keep doing the same shit over and over. And and we didn't do anything. We didn't even open up another page of the playbook. We just expected the first half playbook to work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, that, that actually sounds that, like, that's a good point. <laughs> right. Like I don't think uh, do anything. I don't, we went dead. Wentz makes two horrible throws. And I'm, I went from 
I love Carson Wentz to being like, well, shit, now I understand why Indy fans hate him. I understand why Eagles fans hate him. This season's going to suck. We're going to lose at home to the Jaguars. Uh, and then we something switched. We went to an up-tempo pace, and like all of a sudden, Wentz was like, I'm back. Yeah, the up tempo switch was nice when they I when I think that when they finally went when they started we went into a four we went into a four minute offense at the ten minute mark essentially yeah. or earlier than that six minutes left maybe and the other point that I I think I wrote down is one thing that I found was interesting was that we played a lot of dare I say a Taylor Heineke ball for the first three quarters we were like rocket screens and in and in breaking routes and like a lot of short shit right like timing based shit short stuff and stuff like that. And in the fourth quarter, we're like, hey, remember the part of our offense where we can, like, throw it over your head now and, like, drop, you know, drop dimes in the back of the end zone? Let's give that a whirl, right? And, like, like man, that throw to McLaurin was so great. Right? It was a perfect cover two hole shot. It was perfect. And, they, and the, the, the morons kept talking about how the fact that, like, the safety was, like, so fast. I'm like, he was late. He It was it was literally the, 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 the corner dropped and he played the underneath stuff. Terry ran over him and the safety was supposed to take the back half. Oh, the, the the back half of the corner two section he didn't he didn't make it in time like like always oh, so fast I'm like not fucking fast enough because he he completely whiffed on that so yeah. anyway yeah um, my, I think my biggest my biggest takeaway in wins it's going to be a roller coaster it's been a roller coaster everywhere he's been but like two things one I think the tempo is a real thing because the first scoring drive obviously those plays are scripted so tempo is kind of naturally built in we were like going we knew exactly what we want to do wins knew where the ball wanted to go. We stalled when we went into the huddle, kind of the middle of the game, except that two-minute drive, which we had some momentum. And then once we went back into that kind of four-minute offense, when we were down 22 to 14, Wentz picked it back up. So I think tempo is going to be important. The other takeaway I have from today is, like, Jim Irsay is a fucking moron. Of course he is. I mean, look how bad you, they looked. Look how bad they looked. It had yeah. nothing to do with Wentz. They have a new alarm quarterback, and they suck. Nobody uh, ever says present company included. Nobody ever says anything about Chris Ballard. And everyone's like, "Yo, bro, Ballard, bro, this is on you. Like, this is on you. Like, like you're supposed to have the team in place, and like, and and, and you just don't. In particular, like they, they they tied, they tied. Yeah, right. But and I mean, my, Houston my, played well. Like, I think we have to stop shitting on Houston. I had a buddy text me, and he was like, "Mills, Mills is pretty good." I, I picked Houston on in the uh, I picked Indianapolis in the Survivor Pool, and I'm like, I, that was not the game to pick this week. I was like, I get it, but I was like, in and I want to touch on one thing real quickly about Indianapolis. So I follow the Indianapolis beat reports. I have a bunch of them on my Twitter feed for some reason. I don't know why, but like all of them to a T, they were like our offense, the offense looked like ass in the preseason in practices. It looked like ass in preseason. It looked like ass in OTAs. It looked like ass. So like you can write all these beautiful stories about how Matt Ryan stabilized everything. They're like, the offense looked like ass. And guess what? Until for three and a half quarters or two and a half to three quarters against Texan, against Houston, their offense looked like ass. Yeah. I just, I kept, I kept coming back to it. Obviously, because it's natural, right? Like, wins his last game with the Colts was against Jacksonville. Basically, everything was blamed on him. They were going to fix it with Matt Ryan. They looked terrible today. But I was also thinking about his time in, in Philly and, you know, they won the Super Bowl in 2018. That's 18, is that right? Um, 17. And, like, I understand why he got pissed. Like, I'd be pissed, too, as a competitor. He led that team to where they were, and then Foles won the Super Bowl and gets the the love. I get that. 2019 rolls around. Philly's not great, but he basically put the entire team on his back and willed them to the playoffs. Like, I don't think that gets talked about enough. 2020, he played for the worst offensive line in the history of football and then was forced out because of it, right? Um, and with the Colts, you know, you could say what you, you can say what you want about his time with the Colts, but here's here's fa- here's the matter of fact: for ten weeks, he was a top five quarterback in the league. Ten full weeks, um, they lost their first couple of games because probably new system well, wasn't new system, but new team, etc. And the reason I bring all this up is like he gets this bad rap that people just want to say he sucks. Fucking. 530, what's it, 536? What's the 538 came out and said he was the 34th best quarterback in the league behind Geno Smith, CJ Beathard. Are you kidding me? Geno Smith and CJ Beathard are the type of quarterbacks that make you want to renounce your fandom for a team, particularly Geno Smith. No offense to your Seattle family. Actually, plenty of offense to your Seattle family. Yeah, they they know. They know what's coming. They went to the University of Washington Huskies game this week because they're like, we know our team's going to suck. We might as well go root for someone. 
they're all they're all in the man. Every time Michael, uh, the University of Washington, his, his name is Michael Penix, P-E-N-I-X, I, I, I just giggle every time. I just, I can't stop giggling. Because I just keep saying Michael Penis in my head. And I just, I can't stop <laughs> So. Uh, I do think, I do think we're going to get a roller coaster of wins all year. There's going to be times where we're like, holy shit, he's awesome. And then there's going to be times where I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Your point? But I, Go ahead. I just, I, I said this in our, when we were building up to, t- we both picked 10 and 7 with a softer schedule and a quarterback who can make those throws, like I have no reason to doubt that we're going to win 10 games. Your timing, your point about timing that you alluded to is one of the big things that I thought was interesting. Right. So I think to the roller coaster games, yes, we're going to have the bad Carson Wentz games. Right. I think one of my friends, it's coming. One of my friends in our group texted where like there was the whole meme about good Eli and bad Eli. And I think uh, with Eli Manning, and I think we're going to get a lot of that with Carson Wentz. But one thing that was, there was a few throws that he just missed on. There was a third and two that he, do you remember there was a third and two at midfield? Oh, this one aggravated me to know. To Bates. To Bates, and Bates dropped it, right? He went right through his arms. But he was late. They leaked They leaked uh, Samuel out into the flat, and Wentz looked at it, stared at it, and pulled back. And I was like, if you hit that in timing, that was right there. Like, that was designed. That was very clearly the right one. Now, Wentz did a great job of resetting his feet, cycling through. That was entirely on Bates. That drop was – it was a terrible drop. It would, they glossed over it. Like, it went right through Bates' hands. It was a tough catch, but, like, Bates is very capable of making that catch. It was not, like, an extraordinarily difficult one. Um, where I'm going with all of this is that there's a few passes where the interception that you alluded to, timing was an issue, right? Like, it was just basically, like, he didn't throw it at the right moment in that play. And I think that he's going to get better and better with. Yeah, I mean, it's, he said it, he said it early, like every system he's been in the NFL, he's known, uh, you know, whether it's Peterson or Reich, he's basically played in the same system for seven, eight years, however long he's been in the league. This is an entirely new system. And I would argue a system that's tailor made to what he's good at. Um, so I'm not surprised timing is off, but if the timing is off, don't make, don't make the throw the outside ash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it safe because that's getting picked all the time. Uh, the, so good. I don't have anything else to say. No, that's that's that. Um, I'm going to jump to the uh, – so we used to call this the three up, three down, but I'm going to to uh, rebrand it a little bit start calling the penthouse versus the outhouse uh, type of players and penthouse perf- performers versus outhouse performers. Hey, new uh, team name, new pile. That's right. So we already talked about the receivers. So penthouse for me, I put uh, McLaurin, Samuel, and Dotson, all three of them in there. We already talked about them. We already talked about Gibson to a large extent. Um, you touched on it, but Derek Forrest did a hell of a game, uh, particularly well, with uh, Cam Curl being the, the last second best player on the defense. He was great. He had a couple of really big PBUs. I was just looking through my notes. Um, he, I think on the drive where the kicker doinked it, I think he had two PBUs on that drive alone. Where he broke up the 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 the, the pass into the end zone to um, to Ingram, uh, yeah, he he had there was a couple of them point being. So there he had a couple of big plays and then just continued to be all over. The personal foul that they nailed him with was absolutely garbage, like just completely horseshit. Uh, the person, yeah. Oh, the helmet to helmet. Yeah, like he was very 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 clearly leading with his shoulder, but because the runner's helmet let in first they called it on forest absolute garbage he was and i'm not even wearing burgundy colored glasses on that one it was very clear he was leading with his shoulder and just a bang bang play as the term goes right um anyway great you know it was he was kind of one of the stories in a positive way of training camp and it's great to see him continue on that trajectory i need to i need to add one name to the penthouse do it he's my favorite player on the team he i didn't call him out specifically and i should have i called out the defense he rocks number 94 Deron Payne was a home wrecker. Deron Payne was a home wrecker today. Absolute wrecking ball. Like just he's, oh, he's so good. He terrorized them. He was outstanding. I mean he sees he sees a pile of cash and he's gonna go get it. He was so good. So 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 good. He routinely terrorized. I mean he, he tipped he tipped two balls. He probably had three or four QB hits, not just pressures, but actual hits. He had a sack. He was a man child and like if our defense is going to be good, and like let's be honest, they're not good today. I, I don't care what people think. Our defense was not good today. Our defense was not good today. No. no, Jacksonville shot themselves in the foot, and you know they they left points on the field. 
But Allen and Payne were both good. Fantastic. Um, uh, fingers crossed Allen's not really that hurt. I don't think he is based off what I've read or seen. Everything. Um, somebody I read theorizes actually just got kicked in the balls. Um, well, it was his groin. So yeah. I don't know what it was. Right. Uh, but Payne, but Payne's not going to be here next year. I know what people are going to say. I know. Uh, but like we just, we legitimately won't be able to afford them. And because like wherever, wherever that money goes, it doesn't matter. But with with Young sitting in the background, um, you know, we're going to have to pay Cam Curl. Like they're we got to pay Carson. We're going to have to pay. Although I think he's going to take a, assuming he's our quarterback again next year, I bet you he takes a pretty team friendly contract because like his cap it's only twenty mil next year. I think. Uh, I bet you we just we transferred into like a signing bonus or something, and all of a sudden we have all the money in the world. That assumes um, not any cash, but yes. Well, that's fair. Uh, but I think if our team's going to be good, it has to be led by our defensive line. And today I thought – I think you actually put this – for those who are listening to this far, Rajan does this wonderful thing where he puts an outline together, which keeps us on track. Thank God. Thank you. Um, and then one of the things you wrote was maybe the best they played, including all of last year since probably 2000. I think this is the best performance by the defensive line since 2020. Um, Two-hill two popped. Yeah, um, everybody got their uh, moments. Sweat pain, had a ton of pressures. So, so I am so <laughs> not sold on Sweat right now. Really, I, I felt the opposite after today. So, so, so he showed up when it mattered. He should have had a sack on second and fifteen, uh, right before Lawrence threw the pick, and then he's the one that actually got Lawrence down for the pick. So he showed up at a very critical moment. My problem with Sweat for someone that big, strong, fast, all the all the above, he disappears. I was going to say, you should be routinely doing it. Yeah. He disappeared. Like, he's probably, he might be out for the year, which really sucks. But look at TJ Watt. Look at. TJ um, Watt's out for the year, unfortunately. Look at, look at, look at the Bosa brothers. Look at, look at, look at these elite pass rushers. They don't disappear no matter what. They always pop. Didn't JJ Watt tear his peck and I think it cost him a year too? Yeah. I mean, uh, someone else, Arakbo did it like five times. Um, also, <laughs> You want to talk the about commanders, the commander? The commanders did a hype video, and I watched it on on Friday, and I was like, "Is that Brian?" <laughs> you want to talk about disappearing act? Brian Arakbo yeah. might as well have been fucking Houdini because that guy disappeared every time we needed him. Well, it's what's kind of similar. Like his, if you look at Arakbo's stats as an example, like he'll have eight to ten sacks a year, but four of them will come in one game, right? Uh, and none of them ever came. The one thing Arakbo never did is he. I, his career, he had like two sacks against the NFC East. He like disappeared in the divisional game. He was sweats the, a little similar. I won't go that far. Sweat, I, sweat start sweats. I mean, I don't think he. I, I look for the record. I'm not calling the bus. I'm not. I'm just after week one. My I, all my eyes are on sweat because if our defense is going to take a step, he has to be a home wrecker. And he showed up when it mattered today, but he disappears far too often. I think he had a bunch of unsung pressures, which everybody did. I think they just had a bunch of pressures. He did. He did cause. He he also called the sack that Allen had was 100 percent because of sweat. Um, yeah. He blew the whole play up, and uh, for the first time maybe ever, there was some lane integrity, uh, pass rushing lane integrity. And, Absolutely. Uh, and Lawrence stepped right into. I would say that was a big part of my why did they play the, their best since 2020? Not so much about pressures and sacks. I mean, yeah, they got those, but it was the lane integrity, it was the cohesiveness, all of the stuff that you just said. I just, I in my head, Sweat is a 12 to 15 sack a year guy. I need yes. him. I need him to start being that guy, especially with my boy Chase out. So I want to go to because our linebackers still suck ass. Uh, <laughs> Jamie I Davis mean, is a bust. I know you say he needs more time. He is a bust. No, let's get, let's go there. Let's go there for a second. So uh, I'm trying to find when it was, but you know, there was the big throw to, to, uh, to uh, Kirk, to Christian Kirk. I mean, I know he had a bunch of big catches, right? But there was the one where he, that throw was why Lawrence was the first pick where he beat Fuller deep, right? I'm trying to, uh, to get Fuller didn't have a very, Fuller did not have a very good game. Fuller did not have a good game. That pass was 100% on Bobby McCain. Bobby McCain, Fucking had a multiple, multiple the gaps. hatred of Bob and McCain. Here he had go. multiple gaps in this game. I, I, some, uh, there was a, um, so was, he was the deep safety on the, the deep pass to Kirk, to Christian Kirk that Fuller got very clearly beat on. They designed it where McCain basically has to decide 
whether or not he's going to take the guy who's kind of cutting in the middle of the field or whether he's going to take Christian, where he's going to take Christian Kirk's creaming up the sideline. The guy running up the middle of the field was their third string fucking running back. It was Jamal Agnew, who was very well covered. The linebacker, whoever it was, dropped in coverage, had him pretty clearly. Bobby McCain, in his infinite wisdom, decided that he was going to bite up 10 yards to go pick up the third string running back, who was covered well, by the way, and instead left Fuller one-on-one with this guy on the on the on the uh, screaming up the sideline, it was absolutely egregious. Uh, and there's another play I, I want to I'm trying to find in my notes because I, I like angrily highlighted yeah, her. Like there was just guy he another game where he was just absolutely worthless. Uh, party at my house the day that they decide that they're going to bench him in favor of Jeremy Reeves. Uh, yeah, I need to find hatred of Bob McCain. It's legendary. It's it's unreal. Uh, like I just, it's I feel like the only sane person left on the planet. I'm like, why doesn't anyone realize he sucks? Like he's garbage. He's, pardon me for bringing race into it. He's black Troyaki. Like why are we not? Why Jesus. are we not talking about this? Like he's <laughs> garbage, right? And I just, and ugh, it's absolutely, it's it aggravates me to no end. And I will find every way out of my, every way I can. It just reminds me, like I said, of Laron Landry. That every time you need him. He's off woofing his ass somewhere that completely unnecessary, right? And then he just talks a big game in the media afterwards. And I was like, oh, what a leader. And I'm like, no, you're just a fucking moron, right? Um, anyway, that's my Bobby McCain segment of the uh, of the podcast. But Jamin Davis, they routinely- For the record, we are, we are talking about the outhouse here. Bobby McCain is your number one. My Bobby number McCain one is the my outhouse. Number one is, my number one was Jamin. Jamin Davis was my number two at the outhouse. Uh, they routinely victimized him. Routinely. He's so bad. He he got <laughs> murdered. I mean, I know it's really difficult to expect him to pick up Christian Kirk. But then again, you're supposed to be this dynamic was, athlete linebacker. And yeah, I'm not going to put that one on Jamin. No linebacker in the league is going to be able to handle Christian Kirk one-on-one. He did not play well. That was, Jamin, that was, bad. That was a bad scheme. But there are other plays. For instance, if... So the so Jaguars really f themselves on three. Essentially, to me, there's three big plays the Jaguars f themselves on. The first one was a little bit of like a wheel route from Etienne. Is that how you say his name? Etienne? Yeah. Etienne. Etienne. And he absolutely leaves Jamin Davis behind by a mile. And Lawrence wasn't pressured. He just straight up missed the throw. Um, Are you talking about the drop? Like. No, not the drop. No, 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 not the not the drop. So I guess there's four plays. No, it was the first drive of the game. It's when they settled for a field goal. He what? runs a little bit of wheel route, and Jamison or Jamin, Jamin just didn't wasn't there, and it was just a poor throw, it was a missed throw by Trevor Lawrence. Why is Cooper rush in for the Cowboys? Because Dak just got hurt. And he just really? fucked up his finger. I missed that. Okay. Yeah, they're they're toast. They're toast. Dallas is toast. They're toast with Dak. Um. But so he gets crushed, he gets burned there. The the oh, thank God, Etienne dropped that ball. Because uh, that, that was like the biggest gut touchdown. punch for them. Yeah, that was a walking touchdown. Lawrence also missed Kirk down the sideline one time. He had him wide open, just didn't make the throw. There was a couple um, of big throws that he just missed. He had Zay, I think, you know, one or two times too, and he just missed him. Yeah, I think Holcomb played okay, but my my fear with Holcomb is I know this is way off right field. My fear with Holcomb is that Jamin is so bad that it makes Holcomb look serviceable. I, oh, uh, because contrast. Yeah, because Jamin is just so bad. He's a bust. Like, let's call a spade a spade. It's one of those things where we just, we just, let's like, after this year, let's cut him, move on, admit our mistake, and we're running go. out of, or we're running out of runway. We really are. Like, yeah. I, Give me something to work with, right? And I know there was a couple moments where, like, in the preseason, we're like, okay, something is there, something is there. And then you have a game like today where you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, it, it felt like we took three steps backwards, right? And I just – it's so frustrating. Yeah, it it's, is frustrating. It's so insanely frustrating to watch him. Uh, also, so, St. Juice got picked on today. The whole secondary was kind of shitty today. Jackson – William Jackson, again, was just up and down as usual. Like, it's I, – I, I, I – He's one of those guys I really want it to work, and I just I'm I'm also running out of runway with that guy. Like I just I want it to work. I think he plays hard, which is good. Here's a name for you. You might not agree with this comparison. He reminds me a little bit of Chris Dishman, and I bring that name up because Dishman was a free agent coming over. He came over, in like we thought he was going to be really good, and he was just kind of meh. Yeah, he was just kind of meh. Yeah, he was supposed to play opposite of Daryl Green. The only argue only counter I could give you is that. That Chris Dishman was a little past his prime because Chris Dishman's uh, totally. 
prime was the oil like when he was the oilers and was oilers. Chris Dishman, the original oilers and like uh the current titans franchise and uh and so that was that but like but like uh but yeah this is like my point my point is a free agent guy came over we like we're excited about him and he just hasn't quite got there yeah now it's only week one he played better towards the tail end of last year we gotta hope that that i still think he's also still think he's square peg in round hole but go ahead yeah, well, he is a man corner, and we sit and play zone all the time. Exactly. I'm not worried about Fuller. He just had a bad game. I agree. Uh, Forrest popped. There was some hype around him in the preseason. I get it. He popped. Uh, also, was he could be the defensive Terry. And what I mean by that is we drafted him for special teams. Um, Reeves, uh, my, he's our guy. Wasn't on the field often. Not going to change plays, but you know why? He's great. In the open field, he was one-on-one. He made the tackle. The, after Wentz's second interception, um, they scored on one play. Was, uh, uh, yeah. James Robinson had that. Jackson Jackson run. ran away from the play. Go watch. Jackson ran away. Did you see? He ran away from the Robinson play. ran right into Holcomb, and Holcomb did nothing. Holcomb basically did this, like this really, like okay. uh, he did this. He did, he did he did this like alligator on thing. Yeah, quarter ass a tackle attempt, and Robinson just bounced right off of it, just right off of it. It was absolutely egregious, right? Uh, I, that one, I, I saw that twice. I just went, I just lost my mind. So after that touchdown, my wife who is now in the room. I texted her because she was getting uh, groceries. I was like, new team name, same shit, same shit. WS team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but hey, we rallied. That's all there. I want to give a special shout out to Jack Del Rio because, uh, you know, as I mentioned, up, Jack? like he didn't, like, he clearly did absolutely nothing in the second half. Like he just went inside and ate a bunch of Doritos. Because, you know, Lawrence started hitting on those passes that he missed in the first half, right? Like, he started hitting, and as usual... He started, looking, he started looking like the guy we were scared of. Right, and, and, and Del Rio was like, oh shit, what do I do now? As opposed to being the guy who's supposed to orchestrate the scheme on the, on, on, on the field. Um, the pressure, there was a point in time when, when he, Lawrence was heating up, there was no pressure on him. All the pressure that we were facing, like they started calling off the blitzes, or the blitzes were getting picked up. Like, Lawrence was fine. He had a clean pocket, and and that's the opposite of that is when Lawrence was struggling, obviously. And then the thing that frustrated the most was we, as usual, because we're so terrified of our stupid ass safeties, like Bobby McCain, we started playing this terrible soft coverage and they were, they walked the, the ball up and down the field, dinking and dunking it like the seven and eight yard, you know, paper cuts. And like, we did nothing to stop it because that's what Jack Del Rio does. Besides yeah, I mean, January 6th was a dust up. I spent the first, 10 minutes of this podcast being like the NFL's built to pass, right? We need wide receivers, yada, yada, yada. The thing is though, that's why pass rush in the NFL is so damn critical. And so when we didn't have any pressure on Lawrence, all of a sudden he looked like the number one pick who was just eating us up. Surprise, uh, Kirk, was, Kirk was getting his Etienne started holding on to the football. Uh, Freaking Evan Ingram pop, popped a few times. Um, that guy sucks. He does suck. Point being, though, is like the top 20 quarterbacks in the, in the NFL, if you do not pressure them, they will eat you up. And we weren't getting any pressure from like middle of the second quarter till essentially the fourth quarter, which low-key, you got to give – we're kind of ripping the defense, but I'll give them huge props for getting st- a stop when we were down 22-20. They forced, uh, they forced the punt. They did not give up any points. Um you know who but, it was? That was Deron Payne led the led the the jailbreak. Yeah, he got that's when he had that's when he had the sack. Yep. Um, shout out to Smalley for he, he, my buddy's John Smalley texted us being like, I'm, I'm feeling Payne punching the ball out of here on and that like, drive. Plays, that drive was two plays he, later. He had he had the sack. Etn had 27 yard carry, and I even wrote in my notes. I was like, does this kill the momentum? And then after that, they basically went three and out. Oh, the, the long pain, run. The pain on third and four was like that was like one of those like pivotal, pivotal plays. Yeah, same. I also had flashbacks to last year's game against the Chargers, which was week one. We lost the game because Ron didn't gamble and go for it on fourth down. We punted with like four and a half minutes left. And the Chargers mm-hmm. would just went down the field. Yeah, because they're down defense. Right the um I had some flashbacks to that when we had the ball, and it was third and ten, it was right before Carson hit. Logan Thomas for the 20 plus yard game. But I was like, if we punt this fucking football, we're going to lose. Like, we, we just, like, it is four down territory in my mind. Now, luckily, that that didn't matter. Um, but uh, the parallels between 
last year's home opener was were, were there for sure. Think about also, how important that. How, how many teams win minus two? Not many. What do you mean minus? Did in, you turnover, go, in turnovers. Yeah, and not only that, but like we were 10, minus we were minus three for a long time. And ten exactly, and, and ten points off of that. I mean, not to mention you know the the the, the what we dropped on the field for the Samuel's fumble. Um, going back to Terry's touchdown for a moment, think about like literally what happened was that Wentz fumble. So Wentz had interception number one. Jacksonville walked down the field and got the field goal. Wentz had interception number two. They turn around and got a touchdown. Then the next two plays, we get the ball back again. Wentz, uh, Wentz basically got three yard scramble after there was nothing open downfield. Rocket screen to Curtis Samuel lost a yard because Logan Thomas missed the tackle. And then from there, uh, uh, as Wentz hits Logan Thomas on the 27 yarder. And then from there, right after that was a Terry touchdown. Like you want to talk about a momentum swing, 180 degrees in the opposite direction. When it looked like all it, like the floodgates were about to break. Like it was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the floodgates, they almost did break. They were breaking. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, if you haven't watched the locker room scene that the commander's social team put out after the win when Ron gives Wentz the game ball, it's pretty awesome. Hard not to get hard not to get amped up if you watch that. It's, it's shout out to Wentz. Wentz was the first one to be like, "Those two interceptions on this cost us. That's on me." Yep. I was like, I was like, thank you for acknowledging that because you almost made me hate you. Uh, but the uh, I, I don't know who wrote it, but there's already a post article. I've already read all the post articles because uh, we don't have to wait for tomorrow's newspaper anymore. Uh, but one of the articles in the post talks about after the second interception, they score the touchdown and we go down score, we get the stop and right. So we're down 20 to 20 as Wentz is going out onto the field. Ron apparently turned to Wentz and said, you got to go win this game. And it wasn't, and apparently Wentz's response wasn't like, I know, I know. And he just goes, I will. And ran on the field and just walked us right down the field. Like, God damn. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and, awesome. And, and and it's it's nice to hear this. Like Rivera's and then just giving that lip service in the preseason, but like it's in the heat of the battle when you just threw your second interception. The second one was a backbreaker. Jacksonville went up by eight points at that point in time. So yeah. Um all right. So now kind we of got Detroit. Huh? Yeah, now, now, now on to Detroit. Detroit. So on to Detroit. Um Detroit gave Philadelphia, everything that they could handle today. Uh, they were down. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a pick six away from winning. That's true. Uh, Jared Goff did not look good as usual. So Detroit has a habit of this. Like a lot of their stats, particularly for fantasy football, look really sexy and stuff like that. But they do a lot of garbage time, catch up type of, you know, put up a lot of their production there. Like while Philadelphia, because Philadelphia was up in the third quarter. They were up 35. 31-14. Yeah, they're up big. And they're pretty decisive and they harassed Goff pretty terribly all game. And that's I think I said this in our preseason preview. Like, you know, I think Jared Goff gets shat on quite a bit, but at the, there's a reason for it. Like I think Goff is one of those guys where like he's one of those guys where like everything kind of has to be perfect for him. And if it isn't, then like he either dumps the ball off or he makes a really panicked decision. Uh and a lot of the comeback came from them kind of just playing against the pre event defense. But they have tools. Like that's the thing that kind of should scare anyone. Like, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is great. Like he's great. Swift also ran for like a buck fifty today. DeAndre Swift is awesome. He just they for some reason they hate him in short yardage situations, kind of like Gibson, right? But like he's great. He is outstanding. Uh he was a dog at no pun intended at Georgia. And um he's he is great uh so st brown is great dj chark is really underrated uh hawkinson's a very solid tight end like they have pieces their offensive line is pretty good uh, they have a couple of good a couple of studs on the offensive line so um it's going to come down to harassing jared goff again and i think they're they're very i hate saying this because it sounds really unoriginal but they remind me a lot of jacksonville in the sense that they have the potency on offense but their defense doesn't scare anybody like they did they, they, doesn't scare me they're, they're they're below average on defense yeah i mean it's look it's it's probably a toss-up I, I looked at the line before we got on this and the line's already out and we are plus one so plus all one and per, yeah all intents and purposes is a toss-up slash if you if you truly do get three points for being the home team, we're technically favored. Um, if you look, if you want to look at it that way, but Vegas basically saying it's a toss up with with Lions getting the edge because of the home team. 
The golf reminds me of the 2017-18, like, uh, or no, 15-16 Kirk Cousins. Like, he's going to throw a lot of yards, but a lot of it, to your point, is going to come in the fourth quarter trailing and dump offs. And, like, yes, St. Brown is very good. Uh, is that his name? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's his name. Uh, he is very good, but, like, outside of that, no receiver on that team scares me. Hawkinson Chark is, is good. good. DJ Chark is yeah, good. They, yeah, but that guy, I'm not worried about it. He's good. Don't get me wrong. He probably will pop. Now that I said that, he'll probably go for 200 yards. Uh, but compar- comparatively, I'm not as worried about him. Swift is a stud. Yeah. We really need Allen to be healthy. Losing, I think Mathis is done for the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a, it's a couple months at minimum. Yeah, so that's going to be super painful. So we need to really load up and stop the run and make golf beat us. Um, I will be really annoyed if if they run all over us and wow, this guy Rush is not very good. Um, uh, but I think ultimately we'll we'll get the win. Uh, I picked us to go two and zero in our uh, uh, preseason pod. Um, I just I think I like the mojo of this team. To your point, like I think our offense is going to click. Um, hopefully, we figure out the middle of the game because, boy, that was bad. Um, I think our defense will do enough again to slow them down. I think it'll come down to turnovers. We can't turn the ball over three times again. There was uh, a lot not of on the road who complained about the way Philadelphia's defense played, which is surprising because I thought Philadelphia's defense had a lot of good players along every line of the of the of the, of the team. Jared Goff averaged less than six yards in the attempt. Yeah, I, I said in the preseason, but no one, Jared Goff does not scare me. Yeah, that, that's I was more scared of Lawrence than I was Goff. I would um, have. Um, but, God, Cooper Rush sucks ass. Uh, thank God we don't have him. Um, but what's exciting, and it, again, we're one of those, so take with us up. But if we win, and I do think we will win, for the record, uh, podcast wise, won't be able to do it until Monday. Uh, I'll be watching this game on the plane. Uh, if we win this game and we go 2-0, which we haven't started 2-0 since God knows when, um, we come home 2-0 to play the Eagles with the first chance to throw a haymaker in the division. Like, I will give the, the fans credit today. Stadium wasn't full. It was not a sellout. But that was a real crowd today. I love Vita. The lower bowl. Yeah, Vita Bay is awesome. I remember Lower all balls. the idiots in the pre-draft process. They were like, oh, he can't rush the passer, so how good is he? And I'm like, he's 350 pounds, and he can bench press a Buick. We'll find a place yeah. for him. Yeah. Uh, but I was impressed with the crowds today. The lower bowl was full. It was all Commanders fans, too. All, for, it, was all, it, it was all Durs fans. It was. Uh, it was all Durs fans. And, like, I, I do think there's a sense with this team, with this fan base, that we're getting a little – tired of it always being super negative and like we're just waiting for something to cheer for telling you we come home two and zero, and i know the eagles have a history of taking over fedex um that game will have me all sorts of jacked up because it'll be our first chance to throw a haymaker in the division now i know you don't think we're gonna win that game i already know that and we got to beat the lions first but like I'm liking I'm liking what I'm seeing. Let's put it that way. Philadelphia, Minnesota next week is going to be interesting. The way look at the way Minnesota looked today, at least their offense, right? That's going to be something. Um, Dude, just, just, Justin Jefferson's got 2,000 yards receiving. He's unbelievable. Uh, the way they force fed AJ Brown was startling in many cases. Like I think he literally had like 75 percent of their receiving yards or something like that'll that. That'll back that'll backfire if they keep that up. I think so too, but. I mean, I know it's Detroit, and I know I just got saying that their defense is not very good, but he was unstoppable. Like, they could not stop him. And I, I worry about that. I mean, I don't know. And then again, I, I also worry about the fact, like, that'll be the one game where, like, A.J. Brown like, gets, like, six targets, and all of a sudden Devontae Smith, who went, who went 0 for today, um, he gets a bunch of yards, or Dallas Goddard, you know, we get ripped by a tight end, because God forbid Jamin Davis has to cover him. Um Point point being, we'll talk about that. We gotta be the we gotta be the we gotta be the Lions first. We gotta be Detroit, and I'm with you. I'm 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 predicting the W there. When was the last time we were two and zero? I honestly don't know the answer. It's got to be one of the Kirk years, maybe, and I don't even think it's got to. It's then because like we didn't go two and zero in our the RG three year. We beat the Saints, and I can't remember what happened in week two. Um, We lost to the Rams in week two. We did lose. No, we beat the Rams. No, we lost. Did we? 
then I don't know when was the last time we went to an L. You sure we leave? I truly, I I will I'll put the fidelity account on it. All right, and I'm gonna I will I will uh, defer to your um, confidence in that matter, but. Thirty-eight twenty-one, uh, thirty-one twenty-eight. We lost. You're accurate, sir. And we went one and started one and two that year because we lost to the Bengals the weekend. We were we were three and six, and then yeah, then three and six, and then everything. And after that, I don't feel like searching through there. I'm searching through season by season. Okay, so I have no we, idea. It's been a long time since we were two and zero. Oh, I know that. We will put end it there. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who's listening, um, who's made it this far to the podcast. Super excited to be doing this after W. Uh, hopefully we're doing after W next week as well. Make sure you subscribe to us and do all the fun things and find us uh, or and tell everybody else to subscribe to us because we're thank you to the family and friends who continue to listen to us, but it'd be nice to expand past them. Thank you for listening to the Hales of the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.